You're listening to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I'm honored to share with you conversations for the health of all things. In these special episodes, I am joined by guests on the show to explore how the osteopathic concept presents in their lives and learn about their personal and professional stories. Ranging from osteopathic physicians to those familiar with osteopathic treatment to those associated with osteopathic medicine in a variety of settings, these conversations provide new perspective on lighting the way for the path to best health. Please note that while I am a physician and may interview other physicians, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Welcome to this Osteopathic Life, conversations for the health of all things. This is Dr. Emilia Beeky here, and we have another great episode in store for you. I'm here with Dr. Jess Bell, who is the founder of Energetic Osteopathy, and we've had the great pleasure of working together, training together, and I'm so excited for you to hear her story. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you so much, Amelia. I'm so thrilled to be here. Yeah. So why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about how you came to osteopathic medicine? Um, I'd love to. I, I was a, a really, really young child when I heard a call to become a doctor. I was four. And that was my life. I always knew that my career was to be in medicine. Um, I never wavered, but when I graduated from college, I did have my initial pause after working at a very large medical institution in Boston, where I interviewed MDs every day and asked them very specific questions. If you had this to do it all over again, would you? And every single one of them said no. And when I asked them, well, what else would you do? They all said anything but this. I witnessed the burnout of our physicians at that young age. And at the age of 21, I was completely lost and had no idea where to turn because I'd never even heard of osteopathy. I grew up in a suburb of Boston. I was pre-med. I went to um, a liberal arts college in New England and as a pre-med college student, and no one had ever mentioned osteopathic medicine to me. And about a year after soul searching and not having a clue what I was going to do with the rest of my life, because the only thing that I'd ever wanted to do was to be a doctor. um, I had a fateful evening with my dear friend and it was a dinner party where two of the um, participants had a, had property at the medical school here in Maine, which is where I live now. And they were talking about osteopathic medical school. And as soon as I heard the words osteopathic, something in me lit up. I had never heard of it before, but I went home immediately after that party and started researching it. And everything I learned about it, just it, I had chills from that very first um, exposure. And that was that for me. I knew that that was what I was here to do. And so when I went to apply to medical schools, I never applied to any MD programs. I only applied to DO programs and um, I've never looked back. And how did you find it once you arrived there, when you entered into osteopathic medical school? Did it feel like you had landed in that place that resonated with you? In some ways, yes. Um, I absolutely love medical school. I just... I think that learning about the human body, the way that we are privileged to as physicians is 
it's just to me the greatest gift um, in our education. And I've always been fascinated by muscles and bones and joints and ligaments and tendons. And I've been an athlete my whole life. Um, I had a lot of orthopedic trauma in my early years. And so I learned a lot about anatomy and physiology and kinesiology, and I became a personal trainer. And so the osteopathic, um, I was very aligned with the osteopathic principles, which are that the body is self-healing, self-regulating, um, and that we, you know, a person is a unit of body, mind, and spirit. I, I was really connected to that um, and thought I would learn a bit more about that when I got to medical school. And um, I learned some, but I did feel that my, uh, the hands-on osteopathic manipulative treatment that we learned was a little lacking for me. It felt awfully um, mechanical. And while I enjoyed the treatment and I enjoyed putting my hands on people, particularly my students where we would trade, one person was a doctor, one person was a student. I just, it never really sunk in at that point in my career. And so um, I, I felt that the schooling gave me a vocabulary, but it wasn't enough to inspire me to really um, dive in 100% at that point. Yeah, and I love that you bring up the tenants, and I wonder where you see them outside of clinical practice. You know, do you see them in play in your own life, in your relationships? We look at expanding the osteopathic concept, and I wonder what you notice in that way. I feel that everything relates back to those tenants. And as I have uh, explored clinical practice for the past, I went started medical school in 2001, and I went into a field of physical medicine and rehabilitation where um, an easier way to describe it is a pain management specialty. And initially in that specialty, uh, we really discounted the, the, the spirit and the body part of it was very much about treating the physical body, not really diving much more deeply beyond that. Um, when I witnessed people really suffering with pain, um, it wasn't until I began diving into the more spirit aspects of healing that people started to get better. And then I started to see the world very differently and the people in it very differently. And what I came to realize after only a short time in clinical practice, after graduating from residency, was that we had to dive into the spirit first and that the physical body followed after. So to me, um, it actually is an inversion of what the way that I was taught in medical school you know, I, the body is the outer reflection of what lies beneath it and what we are afflicted with. If we're not looking at and attending to where we are at our core, then we won't receive the results or the healing that we all seek. Mm -hmm. I want to make sure we don't skip a chapter in between. So we got to where you had come to osteopathic medical school and you were appreciative of the anatomy and physiology and of the hands-on piece, but felt like there was a missing part. What happened then? You know, so our relationship began where we were learning more hands-on treatment. So what allowed you to step into that space a little more fully for a time? Yeah, thank you. I, I um, as I mentioned, I went into this field um, called physiatry or physical medicine and rehabilitation. And um, I really enjoyed my residency. I loved learning. I learned all about spinal cord injury and I learned about neurology and orthopedics and um, really complex cases of musculoskeletal pain. 
And when I went into my first practice, um, I joined a group in outpatient musculoskeletal practice where um, my toolbox was not nearly as broad as it now is. And what I would offer patients were largely um, medications, injections, um, epidural injections into their spine, various um, modalities that basically went to target pain at the physical body level. And what I witnessed was such tragedy and suffering and my patients were not getting better. Um, they were many of them, most of them addicted to opiate medications. They were no longer functioning in their lives. And I knew there had to be a better way. I just knew that there was something that I was not offering them. And I felt a, a strong call to begin to call back the treatment techniques that I learned when I was in my osteopathic studies. And so I took a small subset of people that were really hoping to get off their medications. I started treating them. I started putting my hands on them. And those are the patients that did the best out of all of the patients that I was treating. And so again, that was really, again, where that kind of inversion started happening for me, because at that point, um, I needed more coursework because it had been so long since I had, um, been in school and um, it, I felt really rusty and, and in Maine, I found myself immersed with a lot of um, DOs that were using something called biodynamics, a very, very gentle form of osteopathy. And so I mentored, I had some mentors that taught me this form of osteopathy. And while I didn't fully understand it, I felt more power in that particular treatment than any other. So, um, that was really the point at which um, things shifted because the osteopathy was shifting into much, of, much more of a spiritual offering. And those were my patients that were getting really, really well. And so I completely shifted my practice at that point to dive more deeply into under, but gaining a better understanding of what, what was happening here and why these patients were getting better. And whereas my other patients were not. Mm -hmm. I love that. And one of the tenets that comes up a lot for me is the structure and function relationship. And I wonder if you can expand on how you see that both in the physical, right? You can think about physical structures and function and maybe deeper than that, as you're delving into this more spiritual engagement, do you still see structure at play, you know, even deeper than that physical surface level? I do. Although I see it now very, very differently than I once did. Um, in osteopathy, we study embryology and the development of embryology. And, um, and we, we know as osteopaths that the embryological forces that we are, um, that move in at the time of conception are actually the basis for the healing that happens in our body until the time of death. Um, and so what we learn as osteopaths is that, um, you know, that form follows function or that, that there is, you know, a space is opened and, anatomy moves in. That's where, that's where, you know, structure moves in. And so what I see now is that the structure of our body has a framework that is entirely energetic um, and that we have under our neurology, a well of embryologic forces that I feel are a hundred percent energetic that really are the blueprint of our physical form and that when we can attend to healing at that level, then we affect the form that it feeds. And so it's really the underlying energetics that feed 
all the tissues, all the structures, all the functions of the body. Um, and that's where my practice has transitioned to in the years since my training. Yeah, I think that's so fascinating. And I work with patients in that same way to say the structure and function, right, on that very obvious, perhaps tangible, superficial level. And that has merits. You know, there's value there. I look at the structure of them in the world. You know, what are the frameworks in your life that are offering you optimal function? And I love that this is kind of that step inward, you know, so also what is one layer deeper for that? So how do you access that? How do you get to that level? So we can see our relationships in our life, right? Relationships with people, our calendars, those external pieces, we can see the ones in our body, you know, something might be tight or rotated. How do we access the ones that are on that deeper level? I think that it comes in when the question starts, which is, you know, is this all there is? Um, you know, I, I used to ask myself this question all the time in my life when I was living the, the dream that I had set out to, to live. And, um, you know, I think that um, for me, what happened was I turned inward in my own body. I started to realize that I wasn't as happy as I wanted to be. Um, I didn't feel fulfilled in any way. There was something missing inside of me that until I started to get curious about what that something was, um, you know, I was, I was treating my patients from a very uh, surface level because I was living my life at that surface level. And so what, and, and what happened is that um, I grew quite unhappy with um, myself and my life and my career. Um, and I hit a pretty low point in my life that um, was a big turning point for me. And what came through that time was that um, I gained the um, lifeline to connection of, with the divine at that, at that point. And, you know, spirit and having a connection to a, a divine guiding force, which is really what drives osteopathy. You know, osteopathy is very spiritual work. Um, I didn't see it as that when I was in training because I wasn't spiritual or I wasn't connected in the ways that I came to be later on. And so once I started to dive more deeply into my own life, I started to have a lens that was much deeper and things just started to make more sense to me that when we approach things from the surface, they don't make sense. We don't even know where to start. I mean, you know, in osteopathy, we talk about, um, uh, this this theory of tensegrity where, you know, if you have a right shoulder problem that, you know, that could be because you have some restriction in your left ankle. And I, I remember feeling like, where do I even begin? I didn't know how to start because looking from the surface, you just see all of these different parts that are not necessarily connected. But osteopathy told me we are all connected. So then I started asking that question. Well, how, how are we connected? What is that connection? Where does it go? What does it come from? So once the, the more deeply I dove into really the underlying breath of life that breathes all of us, it breathes all of ourselves. You know, we are all connected to one another. I know that's true. Um, just like every cell in our body breathes together. So what is it that's breathing those cells? And I started to really dive more deeply into just, I just, it was just really curiosity. You know, how, how does this fit? And the only answers that I could come up with were, well, I'm never going to fully know because it's happening on a level that is not conscious. It's happening on a divine level. And the more that I could just rest in that and allow that divine um, knowing to unfold, 
I witness miracles in my practice every day. Every day, people come in with chronic intractable pain. They'd seen everything, they'd done everything. And just by aligning with the health and the breath of life and allowing these embryologic healing forces to really manifest into a therapeutic process, people got better and in ways I couldn't explain. And so I stopped needing to explain. And that's when I, that's when I became really comfortable with, we just don't know. There's so much that we don't know. And that is where healing lies. That's, the, that's where the answers are in the unknown. That's so powerful. And I spend a lot of time with words. I love words and the idea of knowing. And in medicine, we're tasked with knowing, right? Having data and support and one right answers. You know, as we step out of medical training and the multiple choice tests fade away, we realize that there aren't, right? There are good answers and there are common answers, but there aren't one right answer available all the time. And then that next step of knowing, right? And that's that spiritual level, that inherent level is one place to be versus knowing this is exactly what it is. You know, being able to step into that space can be scary, you know, when when you've been expected to have very explicit answers your entire training and career. So I'm encouraged to hear you find ease in not knowing because I think that can be challenging for some and hopefully encouraging for those who are listening that it's okay. It's okay not to know. And at the same time, to know that there are answers available beyond, right? Beyond those data points sometimes. One thing you brought up in this is health, right? And so we're here for the health of all things. And I wonder if we look at some of the ways you see health expressed in your patients, perhaps in different ways as you've moved through this shift in how you're approaching treatment. Yeah, well, you know, I see us as having health that is eternal. Um, we, that is our default and our body is wired to return to health. And sometimes it is as simple as that knowing that it doesn't have to be a massive intervention from the outside and that actually the best intervention is non-intervention and allowing my patients to return into their own bodies and return into a world that is quiet and accessing their own breath and accessing breath is a way to really amplify health. Um, But a body really wants the opportunity to return to the exact place where it came. Um, when we hold a newborn, we feel the health and that's its most perfect expression in any human form. That expression is in us. It lives in us. And as we age, we have experiences that happen that they don't diminish the health. They just compartmentalize the health. And so what I see myself as doing with my patients is opening the doorways again, taking all those little containers where, you know, when something happens to us, we get hurt. We we're heartbroken. We have a traumatic injury. We're in a car accident. We suffer some verbal abuse or, you know, sexual abuse, or there's so many different things that cause our health to become separated in the body. But knowing that the predisposition of the body is to return to the state of wholeness, to return to that that health, that same level of health as that newborn, then really the way through it, in my opinion, is not complicated. It's diving in. It's opening those doorways. It's educating patients that, you know, 
we, uh, we run away from pain because we don't want to feel the things that really have um, scared us. We've gotten so scared and separated, but it's the very leaning into it that augments the health and that's all that is needed. And it's important to have a guide, of course, and osteopathy is a tremendous gift and a tool that facilitates and accelerates the process of opening those doors so that the health can be fully expressed again. But um, every single person on this planet has the health within them that is asking you to be expressed again, every single one of us. And so one of the greatest things that I've offered my patients is hope. They come to me and one of the one of the most common things that I've heard from patients over the years after seeing every doctor under the sun, after getting on every medication, after having a surgery that didn't work and injections that wore off and physical therapy that was expensive and, um, you know, time consuming and, you know, was only working for a short period of time. Every single patient will come to me and say, you have given me back the hope because I'm speaking the truth and they know it. So that to me is the health. It's our birthright. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. It's so powerful and that you're able to demonstrate it to your patients. What I hear you say, you mentioned early life traumatic orthopedic experiences for non-physician leaders, right? So injury right to the bones and to the joints. Do you think it's helpful and do you think it's necessary, perhaps both questions, to have this lived experience to allow you to connect with your patients in a different way? And for both of those, how do you tap into that effectively? We talk in medicine about, you know, not getting too involved, you know, not exchanging in a certain way. And also if you don't, if it's still possible to relate to patients that perhaps don't have that exact same shared experience. Yeah. Thank you for bringing this up. So I have had so many orthopedic traumas um, and actually a really defining one happened when I was four and I was run over by a car and I was pinned under this car for a long time. My pelvis was crushed um, and it set me up for a lifetime of chronic pain. And um, it never disabled me, um, although it was something that definitely, um, and I've always been a very high level athlete and a competitor. So when I went through my early um, orthopedic medical um, interventions, what I learned about my condition was that it was incurable. I heard, don't ever play soccer again. Um, I heard, you know, basically just rest. And that was pretty much it. And I got that guidance when I was um, just about to be a starting varsity soccer player on my freshman high school team. And I was devastated. And it fueled me. I, I was depressed for about three months. I went home and I cried every day. I didn't know how to be if I wasn't going to be in my body in this way. And so what I did was I joined a gym. And I taught myself how to get strong. I taught myself to move. I knew inherently and intuitively that I needed to flow, that there's something within me that had to move. And I learned everything that I possibly could. Um, and I haven't stopped. I haven't stopped learning and I haven't stopped flowing. Um, years later, I was in a, another, just I could rattle off a million um, different injuries that I've had. And I have zero pain in my body these days because I live, I practice what I preach and I live a life of abundance, of joy, of love. I, I cultivate a connection to my body, to the earth, um, to my soul every single day. And that has allowed me, that's the only thing that has allowed me to move through massive pain that um, most of my patients um, would not have come away, you know, um, without some limitation or some disability. I mean, I'm very aware of how fortunate I am, but I also just so completely trust this inherent healing capacity that we've been born into that I, there was just never for a second, a part of me that thought, 
I'm never going to get over this. You know, I always knew, but it was through the failure of all interventions. I have been to wonderful world-renowned osteopaths. I've been to the, you know, I, I thankfully, you know, I've had surgery. I've had two surgeries in my ankle for uh, an injury that, again, I never thought I'd walk again. I actually almost lost my foot, no pain in my ankle. Um, so I come from a place of great disclosure and I share this with patients because um, I think it's really important that, you know, when I graduated from medical school in my training, I didn't have many of the experiences that I came to have later in my life. Um, and I feel that these experiences I've had and the interventions that didn't work have been some of the greatest gifts so that I can be on the same, you know, equal playing ground, um, you know, with all of my patients it's, this is not me being a preacher here. This is just, let's just do this. You know, let's, let's figure this out and, and become a team member. Um, you know, I love being on the same team with my patients and I love guiding them from my own example. So, um, yeah, great question. Yeah, I think that's so helpful, certainly to hear those testimonials, you know, and lived experience shared. All right, I'm going to go here. Yeah, we'll see where, where time allows us. You mentioned heartbreak earlier when you're talking about painful experiences and we've mentioned crushing of the pelvis. And so we see mental, spiritual, physical pain. Can you tell me, and we'll see how succinct we can be, are they the same? You know, is pain pain? Are those of different origin? Are they addressed differently? How do we engage with that? Okay, I'll do my best because this is, um, you know, this, this, we can do a PS episode this causes my whole body to tingle just to think about this concept because, um, you know, so I have, I have two board certifications in pain management, essentially. Um, I'm very well qualified to answer this question. I have a lot of experience of working with my own personal pain, the pain of other patients. What I can share with you about pain is that is 100% caused from emotional repression. When we have energy, when we have experiences, and those experiences create something in our body that is a rejection within our body. And we just can't handle it. It's just too much. Um, a very specific example that happened to me is the same year that I was run over by a car, my, my father tragically died. So I was four years old and this happened within two months of one another. And so I spent, you know, so it was, it was, everything was devastated, everything. And I will tell you that I have lived with chronic left hip sacroiliac joint pain in my body um, all my life, knowing very well that it was not a physical problem, that it was the emotional loss, that it was, it was the trauma that happened to me during those very, very, very young years <clears throat> that I needed to get into touch with. I needed to be able to access before the pain in my body would leave. I also knew the pain in my body would leave. So after all these years of trying different doctors, different approaches, different techniques, different modalities, um, meanwhile, I've crossfitted my whole life. I've been a mountain biker. I'm still doing all the things. I never, I never stopped because I also knew that I needed to have joy in my life to be able to um, create the opening for the depths of where this is all coming from. So if, if I can impress one thing, it's that physical pain never, ever begins on the physical body. Physical pain always starts on the energetic body. And then the energetic body is basically compartmentalized. We, tra we trap in experiences that create energetic densities in our body that are basically emotions that we don't want to feel. And over time, those emotions that we don't want to feel 
they begin to rise to the surface and that's when they affect the physical body. So by the time your shoulder starts to hurt, you've had something living inside of you, likely since you were a very young child that you didn't even know was there. And all of a sudden you have a rotator cuff tear for no reason whatsoever because you went outside to do some shoveling. And that it was a recipe for your body sending you a message that there's something that needs to be handled here. And it draws you in. So the physical body is the message. It tells you where to go. It tells you there's a problem. And that's the only way that you get to know that there's a problem. Because when it's living inside of you in your subconscious state, you have no clue it's there. The physical body hands you the information. It's a gift, actually. We just don't see it that way. Absolutely. And I think that's so helpful. And I hope everyone who's listening can hear that the pain is not not real, right? That there are physical manifestations, but looking to the core, to the origins, and when we're thinking about treating it, you know, and hopefully not just palliatively, but actually getting to the source and resolving it, you know, tapping into that health, that it requires, right? Acknowledgement of all those aspects. The body, mind, and spirit is always at play. And now as you move forward, how are you noticing that? You've shared with us how you're seeing patients now and that your treatments, your hands-on treatments evolved. How is that moving forward in this time? You know, what's the next evolution of this for you? Yeah, so um, I, at the beginning of COVID, um, I made a decision that I would stop seeing patients in my home practice. I have a young son and I just didn't know that, I didn't feel that that was um, a wise thing for me to do. And so um, for many years prior to COVID, I had gotten more deeply involved in this very, very spiritual form of osteopathy called biodynamics. And there were times when people would come in and they were in such acute pain that I would have to take my hands off their body to treat them. And they would still have a really powerful treatment as if I was touching their bodies. And so I began to see how we are actually not, it does not matter um, whether we are physically making contact with our patients, um, that we are energetic. We have an energetic field within our bodies that is the makeup of our bodies. We have different frequencies of energy that actually compress down to anatomy. This is a concept that is so far beyond the scope of this interview, but essentially what I started to realize is that I was not, it was not necessary for me to have a physical handhold on tissue because the second that I engaged in a therapeutic process with a patient and we synchronized, we were actually in an energetic exchange with one another and that was actually where the treatment was taking place. So when COVID happened and I stopped treating patients in my house, I was, um, it was encouraged that I start doing distance treatments and I did. And um, I was absolutely blown away that the treatment was exactly the same. All I had to do is get over my limiting belief that the patient was no longer with me. But when I, when I imagined their energy field, it came in. It's as simple as that. And then my hands literally became holographic hands treating their bodies in the same exact way that I would be treating them if they were in my office. And at first I had to get over my own belief around this because I didn't think, how could this possibly work? How could it possibly be an osteopath performing an osteopathic treatment? Well, I started playing with this and I had a patient come to me with uh, an ankle fracture, uh, sorry, an ankle sprain. And so, um, you know, I started treating her ankle and I, I, at the second that I went into the treatment, I could actually see every single bone in her ankle, every single ligament, and I could see the position of that bone. So this is not Reiki. And I think that's a really important point. A lot of people think that, you know, what is this that we're doing here? This is actually osteopathy. It's just that when we're trained in osteopathy, we're trained to make contact with the skin. 
But taking it into this way, we actually see more and we have an even greater impact because the field, the energetic field wants the space. And so when I'm no longer in the physical space with my patients, it allows them to be more comfortable that they're having the treatment from home. I can treat people anywhere around the world. The treatment is instantaneous. We're working in a quantum field. And in this quantum field, there is no delay. There's no, it does not matter. Time and space are a continuum. And this is again, beyond the scope of this interview, but, but my practice now is 100% distance. Um, not only providing treatments for patients all around the world, they're getting more powerful treatments than they've ever had. Things that would take a long time to resolve are resolving in a much shorter period of time. Sometimes only one treatment is needed. The patients know exactly what's going on in their body. Every single patient feels the, the treatment, not in a, a woo-woo esoteric way, but in a, you just released this, just I felt my muscle just twitched and all of a sudden I'm feeling so much better. Um, so it's not about convincing people. It's just about offering them the experience so that we can begin to see past this illusion that um, life is a certain way because it appears this way because our brain tells us so. But the truth is when we begin to see beyond that and begin to be able to get comfortable with this concept of energetics, the world makes a lot more sense actually. And it's a much more um, spacious place to live and to be. And there's so much more healing available to us. Um, so that's, uh, I'm, I'm moving in great directions. I'm teaching large groups of people. I'm now treating groups of people at the same time as well, using the energetic field to augment healing within the group creating a very powerful experience for all the group members. Um, yeah. Excellent. And I think it goes back to those beginnings of just opening the doors, right? So even for you, when you transitioned from learning about medicine to learning about osteopathic medicine and then learning about certain specialties and continue to just walk through those doorways as they present themselves with opportunities at each phase, at each room, right? There is health to be found in each of those, but also opportunity for expansion to not be limited. Well, I think that was excellent to be able to cover questions about pain and you know, expansion of treatment in a relatively succinct period of time. And I envision many future episodes coming forward. So for today, the last question I'll ask you is, how do you see yourself for the health of all things? Well, I feel that it's time for us to transform the face of medicine. Um, we all know that the medical system is in great distress and all systems are in great distress right now. I know that healing is our birthright. And I feel that we've had it upside down and that our doctors are really at a loss here and that we just don't know how to help our patients anymore. We don't even know how to help ourselves anymore. And one of the greatest gifts that I had in my life was that I really struggled early in my career and I had to heal on a level that um, has been my greatest gift. And since that early, those early struggles, I've approached medicine entirely differently. Um, I don't treat from a place of ego. I treat from a place of connection. I connect with my patients on a very um, deep and personal level, not disclosing personally, but I create a connection with my patients that allows them to know that they're guided and they're loved. I tell them that I love them. I'll hug them if I if we're not in a pandemic. Um, you know, that to me is, is healthcare. And we lost it. We just lost it. We lost the knowing that our bodies heal. We lost our connection to ourselves. 
And so where I see my role is in going back to that time when we swept those indigenous cultures and those people off of our earth and put them into essentially their own quarantines. They were the last societies that knew all of this, where they knew that the earth was medicine. They knew that their bodies were self-healing. They knew that there were no pharmaceuticals needed to intervene, right? They knew that they had every single thing in themselves that was necessary, that was needed to live a life of abundance. And so that is my mission. And I will shout it from the rooftops and I think it's really important that we start treating our physicians. I think it's really in, in letting our physicians actually begin to understand themselves in this way so that when they go out there to provide healthcare to others, that they're coming from a place of wholeness, of heart, of love, and that this is a movement. So I really see my part in this as being um, a really um, pivotal shift in how healthcare is being offered in this country, in this world. Um, and that we begin to see ourselves as energetic beings that directly um, influence every single thing around us. We all have a part in this and healthcare should be a global effort. I love that. Thank you so much. I hear the call. I'll shout it with you. And if people want to get in touch with you and now that your treatment is available worldwide, how can they access you? So my website is drjessbell.com. That's D-O-C-T-O-R, jessbell.com. Um, that's the best way to get in touch with me. I do have a YouTube channel with lots of videos that are coming out, um, but you can book a session with me on my website. You can sign up for courses on my website and um, I'd love to connect with you and yeah, much more coming. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for being here, for your message and for your amazing work. We'll meet again. Thank you so much, Amelia. I hope you enjoyed this episode of This Osteopathic Life, Conversations for the Health of All Things. Please take a moment to like, rate, and review the podcast. And if you would like to be featured as a guest or know someone who you'd like to nominate as a guest for an episode, please let me know at thisosteopathiclife at gmail.com visit the website at thisosteopathiclife.com or visit me on Instagram and Facebook at This Osteopathic Life. Thank you so much for listening.